Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, and we ask that you would be present, that you would fill this room, that you would give me the gift of teaching, Lord, and that it would be all about you tonight, Lord. We just pray that our hearts would be set before you, and we just thank you for giving us the freedom to still do this. In Jesus' name, amen. So the topic is family matters, or you could call it family dynamics, family situations, family struggles, family joys, family discord. Anybody have any of that in their lives? And another way to say this is family matters. Family is important. Family should have priority. Obviously not before the Lord, but you get the idea. The Bible is full of people, full of family situations, dynamics, struggles, joys, sorrows, And family truly does matter, not only for our immediate family, but for the family of God, where we also find family matters or family issues, and that family matters. Church family is precious family. So I have these pictures here, I'm going to show you guys, it's probably hard to see, but these are the ones I have up in my bathroom, I pray for our kids, this is me with our three boys, and they make me look short, so I love that, and then this is me with our three boys and our daughter. And it was taken two years ago. Um, For my birthday, they came over and made me breakfast. It was a Sunday, and Jim had already gone to church. Well, I think he took the picture, and then he left. So um, I just love those pictures. But um, to me, it looks picture perfect. Don't they look perfect? And um, (laughs) But what is really behind this picture, and what is behind your family picture? Um, It looks like the perfect family to me, and they truly are all dearly loved, yet each one is on my heart for a different prayer concern. And behind this picture, there has been addiction, divorce, discord, hurts, unforgiveness, health issues, etc. Yet, there's also been restoration, freedom from substance abuse, forgiveness, support, kindness, concern, love, togetherness, healing. So when you see a snapshot, know that there is much more to that picture, the bigger picture of life. And a lot of us see lots of pictures on Facebook and Instagram, and it looks so perfect. But there is so much behind a a picture. So what does the word say about family matters? We were given 10 verses in Proverbs to focus on. And as we look in Proverbs 6.16, it says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And when you look at 6.19, it says, A false witness who speaks lies and one who soars discord among brethren. So God hates family discord. It's one of the seven things he hates. Today we're going to be discussing our woman of the week, Rebecca, found in Genesis 27. And she definitely sowed discord. There are other women in the Bible who have used their influence for good or bad. Abigail used her influence for good and she had wisdom. We already studied her in lesson six. Deborah used her influence to make a wise choice. Um, Genesis 16 shows us Sarah used her influence in the negative to have Abraham take his handmaiden to help God out. This tore apart the family, and we know this caused hurts and jealousies and heartache for many. And now Rebecca, who used her influence for her own satisfaction, and we will see that she reaps sorrow. So this word influence is what we as women have. Influence means the power or capacity of causing an effect in an indirect or intangible way. The act or power of producing an effect without apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command or corrupt interference with authority for personal gain. 
1 Kings 21:25 says, No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Psalm 112.9, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. So we as women have influence in our home for good or bad. And the saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, I think is really true. When you look at your home, if you're in a bad mood, it usually affects everybody. Um, We do set the tone of our homes, whether you're married or a single mom. And these proverbs that we were given on the woman confirm that. Proverbs 12.4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. And we were told to put some of these into our own words. And for me, for this one, it really stuck out to me. So this is what I wrote. An excellent godly wife is a crown, a jewel, a blessing to her husband. But if she embarrasses him by her behavior or attitude and causes him shame and heartache, it is like a cancer to his very life. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. So our personal sins can destroy our home, and we will see this in Rebecca's life today. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19.13-14, through 14, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 21.9, better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. And as we begin, here is part of Isaac and Rebecca's story and some snapshots of their life. Isaac and Rebecca, who appeared to be a match made in heaven, if you look back at Genesis 24, but with free will, not all turns out picture perfect. And first, before we begin, I want to give you the difference between the birthright and the blessing, because that's in our story today. And I had to go back to understand the difference between those. So the birthright was an honor given to the firstborn bestowing head of household status and the right to inherit his father's estate. The son with the birthright would receive a double portion of whatever was passed down. While a birthright belonged to the firstborn son, anyone could receive a blessing. In the time of the patriarchs, such blessings acted as last will and testament and were highly prized as a means of revealing God's will. And so those are just two words to remember as we go on. So we're going to turn and start in Genesis 25, 21, if you want to turn there. And I'm going to grab my water, which is right here, I think. So Genesis 25, 21. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted this plea. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. So we're going to go to Genesis 25, 28. And Isaac loved Esau. So she had two boys, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So here we see family matters of favoritism. Genesis 26, 34, we're going to jump to there. 
When Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basemith, the daughter of Ellen the Hittite. And they were a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah. So here we see family matters of heartache because he married heathen wives. So now we're going into another family matter right here in chapter 27. And this entire chapter portrays an entire family attempting to carry out their responsibilities by their physical senses without faith. This is the familiar story of how Jacob got the blessing of his father Isaac through deception. It is the story of the fragmenting of a family over spiritual matters, and it's a story of the flesh versus the spirit, or foolishness versus wisdom, as we have been studying all along. So Genesis 27.1, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, he was about 137 here, and he actually lived to 180. So he thought he was close to death, but he had a ways to go. And his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat and my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. Here's where the problem begins with Rebecca. She was listening in and clearly heard her husband, but decides to manipulate the blessing, which was already established by God anyway. So here we see her lack of faith in what God had already promised her. Here we see Isaac choosing to usurp God's authority in this plan as well. As, as well. Have you ever listened in when you really had no business doing so? I have. <laughs> I'm sure you have. We as women like to control situations at times. And we use our influence many times to do so. We like to make our families what we want them to be. And we can try to finagle our husbands to do something to make it turn out the way we like it to. Genesis 27, 6. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring from me there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. Here we see Jacob has no guilt, only fear in it not working out to his best interest. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. And so she's willing to take the curse of disobedience and manipulation, another foolish choice. Only obey my voice and go get them from me, for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. And then hear the manipulation and deception grow. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. 
So he lies. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Another lie. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. And then another lie. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said. And so we're not going to go into the blessing but um, for the sake of time, but he does tell him he will be master over his brethren. So we're going to jump to Genesis 27.30. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac's, from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. So Genesis twenty-seven thirty-four. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. And my mother's heart went out to him at this time, just because it was so deep, and you've you can sense the remorse, yet we know he's been acting in the flesh from the beginning further back in Genesis when he sold his birthright for a pot of stew. So he was just looking at the physical and not the spiritual, and he gave it away. Genesis twenty-seven thirty-five. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master and all his brethren. I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Genesis twenty-seven forty-one. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days. And it's 500 miles away. Until your brother's fury turns away, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? Genesis twenty-seven forty-six, and Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So here again, as I was reading, um, 
Many of the commentators says Rebecca uses her manipulation and influence to get Isaac to allow Jacob to go to her brother's home. But on the other hand, she did see how angry Esau was and that he intended to kill him. In the scope of eternity, God knows the beginning from the end. God still uses our mistakes, and as Jacob went, he learned greatly what deception is all about, and he reaped what he sowed. That's a whole other story. But the point is that the sovereign will of God is done in spite of our or any other person's opposition to it. I'm going to read that again. The point is that the sovereign will of God is done in spite of our or any other person's opposition to it. But even though God's hand is sovereign and he still accomplishes his will, consequences can come and some last a lifetime. One such consequence was Rebecca never saw her favorite child again. He did not return to his father's home for 20 years, and by that time, Rebecca was dead. And I'm sure her relationship with Esau was not that great after all of this. The bottom line is the blessing was already Jacob's. It was foretold by God, and only God could truly bestow the blessing. Jacob did not believe God. Rebecca did not believe God. Evidently, Isaac did not believe God, or he would never have attempted to bypass Jacob and give the blessing to Esau. He followed his own feelings and appetites contrary to the word of God. And may we never do the same. May we not insist on working against God's word and wisdom. In a sense, Jacob and Rebekah won, though they gained nothing that God would not have given them anyway because the blessing was God's to give. And they lost much. Esau sacrificed spiritual provisions for physical appetites And although Esau wept for the loss of the material blessings, he did not seek the blessing of God upon his life. And in the New Testament, it tells us that Esau's choice to sell his birthright is used as an example of ungodliness, a godless person who will put physical desires over spiritual blessings. And that's in Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So studying on Esau, we see this snapshot of his life in Genesis. And then as we go further into Genesis 33, we would see the reconciliation between his brother and him. We do not know for sure Esau's spiritual outcome of his life because the Bible does not say. But in this snapshot, we see things we can learn from. The flesh versus the spirit and wisdom versus foolishness. But as we look at, back at Rebecca, who's our focus, we see she wanted things her way. This caused deception, pain, hurt, betrayal, and she never saw her favorite child again. What a tragedy. We as women must be careful what we push for. We need the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And so as married couples, we need to be on the same page and look to the word for our answers so we can have the same mind as Christ. Same as single moms needing to be focused on God's word for any answers to the questions life will throw their way. And for single gals, sticking with God's word 
for the answers that come on your life as well. So a few questions for us all before we go into the children and parenting part. How are you using your womanly influence? So that's just a question to ask yourself. How are you using your womanly influence? Do you use manipulation to get what you want? Are you usurping any God-given authority in your life? And are you in the word? The rest of our proverb verses were given on children and parenting. So do you have a favorite? Do you play favorites? And our children are all very different. Each are unique, each one with great qualities, and each one with refining needs as we all have. And this is not going to be complete tips on parenting, but hopefully overall encouragement as you raise your children or grandchildren and knowing the Lord is with you through it all. And this is also for those of you who are not yet parents. These verses in Proverbs encourage you to be a blessing to your parents and not a grief. And the way to do that is to follow wisdom's path. Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. A woman is relationship oriented, usually, most women, and usually is the one who carries the burden, the grief of her children, whereas the father can be grieved and disappointed, but he can easily, at least my husband can, I'll speak for him, he can separate the two. You know, he can be grieved and bummed, but he can go on and do what he's got to do, where I can carry it everywhere I go, there's a piece of it. So, um, in the King James, that word grief of his mother is actually heaviness of his mother. So the foolish son or daughter is the heaviness of his mother. So God knew that. And I'm sure your mom, you moms have had heaviness over your children. Luke 2.19 says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So we carry our children in our hearts so much more so than men normally. Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So that goes for a son or daughter, so be that wise daughter. Proverbs 19.13, a foolish son is the ruin of his father. Proverbs 19.26, he who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Proverbs 23, 24, and 25, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. Psalm 127, 3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so it's not all grief, obviously. There's so many joys in having children. So let's cover four things quickly to help us navigate family matters with our children or grandchildren. The word of God, chastening, choice of friends, and prayer. So we need the word first and foremost, obviously, as we navigate family matters. 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 55.11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. 
we instilled the word of God in our kids' lives. We did not do a perfect job, but I know we gave them the word. And even those who are away from him right now can quote many, many scriptures and sometimes bring them up against us because they know it so well. But I know it's there and that the word does not return void. And we hang on to God's promises. So get the word into your children or grandchildren's life. You will never regret it. You won't someday say, gosh, I wish I didn't teach him that Bible verse. You'll never say that. You'll be blessed that you got the word in them. Next, since family matters in parenting will come up, we will need to go back to God's word for our discipline and our chastening. Proverbs 19:18, chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. And here's a quote I got on chastening. Chasten your son or daughter while there is hope. There is not an endless window of opportunity to chasten and wisely discipline our children. Age and circumstances limit the opportunity for effective training, so it must be done while there is hope. There may come the time when you wish you had done much more to chasten your son or daughter. To fail to chasten our children in the opportune season is to actually work for their destruction. End of quote. Hebrews 12.11, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And Hebrews 12.6 tells us that God chastens those whom he loves. And so we are to do that for our children. Love your children and chasten them. And there's that beautiful blend between discipline and grace. And we can certainly struggle getting it right, but God can do the balancing. So get godly wisdom, take parenting classes. You don't have to go it alone. And yes, we will all make mistakes and wish we could have some do-overs, but God is gracious. And then choice of friends. And I think this one cannot be overstated. Proverbs thirteen twenty: He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three: Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And so that goes for us as well as for our children. When our kids were little, I had a lady ask me if she could come over and interview me to be her son's friend. Her son was the same age as our son. And um, I guess another friend thought those two would connect well. So she wanted to interview me and come and meet me and meet our son. And, and so that, I thought that was kind of scary, but I was like, okay, we'll see. But we passed the test, I guess, and they became really good friends. In fact, they look back on that relationship very fondly and it kept them out of a lot of trouble because they just really connected and had a lot of fun. So know who your kids are hanging out with. Um, this will lessen some of the tougher family matters that you'll go through. And then prayer. You can better believe in family matters you will be drawn to your knees. Psalm 4.1, hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Psalm 66.20, blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Romans 12.12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And so it's hard sometimes to pray for our children and know what to pray. And so I have a couple books that I use. I have prayers for prodigals because I have a couple of those in my life. And this book is nice and worn out. And I use this every day. And then I just recently got praying the scriptures for your adult children. She, she does praying the scriptures for your child, your teen. She has all of them. But what I like to say about books is that I don't endorse them as the Bible. Whatever she writes, 
doesn't mean that it's the right thing completely. But what I like about these, both these books is they're filled with scripture and you pray the scriptures over your children. There's tons of topics and at the end there's just verses and verses and you insert your child's name and there's prayers for yourself as well. And so it's just the word and the word is perfect. So that's what I like about those. So there's a lot more we can share on family matters and parenting, but remember through it all, keep it sandwiched between the word of God and prayer on each end. And when it comes to family matters with children, no one really needs to be encouraged when the child is excelling and serving the Lord and all is going great. These are wonderful times and they definitely should be celebrated. But there are times when we need a touch of our Savior as we navigate as parents. And the Lord is always with us through the sorrows and the joys. And so I want you guys to turn to Luke 7, 11 through 15 as we finish up here. Luke 7, 11 through 15. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And we, when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the, cof- the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. So that phrase, and he had compassion on her, implies a depth of compassion from the center of his being, his gut. So he had such compassion for this woman. And so when we weep for our children, we can rest assured our Savior's heart goes out to us in the same way. He longs to comfort and help us as only he can. Years ago, probably over 20 years ago, um, when our oldest son was 15, right before our my husband was making a trip to Israel, he ran away. And so we didn't know where he was. He ran away. He was getting lots of trouble. And my husband was going to cancel his trip. But I said, just go. Just go. I mean, you've been planning to do this. So just go. So he went. And a couple days later, uh, a lady was at my front door with our son wanting to give him back because wherever he was staying, they didn't want him anymore. And, um, but he had no repentance. He had a horrible attitude. And, I just said, I can't take him. I mean, and she says, well, I'm not taking him. So he, he left and he ended up sleeping on the top of the school building that night and ended up with an ear infection and all kinds of things. But um, I couldn't take him because I didn't have my husband home and I couldn't handle him. I just couldn't. And so it was very hard for me to do that. Very hard. Um, but I really felt it was the right thing to do. And I, of course, wept and I was devastated. And um, then I went to bed and I had my back to the doorway. And, you know, I was weeping and all that. And I felt this presence come in the door, but it wasn't a scary thing. It's not like I turned around and looked. I just felt this amazing peace and I felt this hand on my back. And I really felt like the Lord was saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that's never happened to me since, but it's something I've never forgotten. And so the Lord is there to comfort us when we go through really difficult times. And Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. 
Job 37.5, God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. And so God has ways to reach our children that I have not thought of. He does great things beyond our understanding. So if you're praying for a prodigal or any, any one of your children, know that God has ways to reach them that we haven't thought of. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, for us, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so our labor is not in vain. And as we stick with God's word in our lives and in our families, then as we get older, we pray we get wiser and have that crown of glory as our last proverb we studied states. Proverbs 16.31, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we be found in your ways. May we continue to stay close to you and in your word as we navigate family matters in our own lives, whether it's our marriages or we're single moms or our children or our grandchildren, whatever's on our plate with our family dynamics, Lord, we pray that we would look to you for the answers, that we would not manipulate the situation, that we would hear clearly from you, that we would be of the same mind as you are, Lord. So help us and just continue to encourage us. Bless our time in our groups. Bless our time as we go over for the food later. And we just thank you for bringing these ladies out. In Jesus' name, amen.